0: What's up, Massacast listeners? This is Mia from Mia
1: on Top, and you're in for a special show. Adults only, that is.
2: Gotta say thank you right off the bat to two people who have donated to the podcast in the last two months. That's pretty damn good. Thank you so much. Uh, You know who you are. It's totally anonymous. You can click the donate button on the Massacast website, and uh, every little bit helps. Also new on the MassaCast website is a thing on the right-hand side of your screen, of your browser. It'll say send voicemail, and you can click that. And using the microphone in your computer, if you have one, you can record uh, a message that, if you want, can be used on the podcast. Uh, You can make a comment about a past episode. You can just say whatever the hell you want, and it's totally anonymous. So that's a new feature. Also, we've got a lot of good comments on the uh, Dear Mistress Feature on the podcast Another episode Next week Of Dear Mistress With Mistress Alex This episode uh, Is a conversation With Natasha Gornick Who's uh, Someone who I met Through Sod Uh, They've been friends For quite a while And uh, She finally agreed To sit down And she's What you're about to hear Is part one uh, Because there's So much good stuff That I thought There's no way I could fit it all In one episode So part two Will be coming down In another month or two Um You'll, you'll understand why. So here it is, a conversation with a uh, photographer, traveler, explorist, Natasha Gornick. And uh, the first thing I asked her was why she's willing to use her real name on the podcast.
0: But- you now, I spent a long time not being Natasha Gornick, mm-hmm. as cheesy as that may sound. I spent a long, t- a long time like being someone else or being someone else for someone else or other people. Whoever that person happened to be in my life, like ex-boyfriends or teachers in grammar school or whatever that was. So I guess when I decided to like come out of the Natasha Gorna closet, yeah. I just did it like full throttle.
2: That's incredibly awesome and brave.
0: I, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. But how just did being me.
2: how did you decide to? I mean, what was the what was the spark that made you decide? You know, fuck this. I want to just. I'm just going to be me. Was there anything specific that that happened?
0: I don't think so. I think it's just, it just naturally happened. I can't think of a time when I was like, well, or did I? I mean, a lot of people, I've always, um, I'm, uh, let's see, I'm stubborn. Mm -hmm. So if someone tells me that I shouldn't do it, chances are that I may do it anyway. (laughs) So a lot of people over the years have been like, you definitely shouldn't show your BDSM work under Natasha Gornick. You have to hide that. Right. You know, and I maybe because I hid for so long like who I was that I was like fuck this. What's wrong with me being me? You know, I'm never going to run for president. These Not things now. aren't going to happen, right? <laughs> I'm never going to anyone who's going to run for president is never going to ask me to be like their first lady. Right. So, you know, I you, Well, you never know. You never know. But I don't think it's going to happen.
2: Has anyone brought up has, have you have you noticed anything happen where that the fact that you're all out and the fact that you're kinky and you you know you don't hide it where that's been an, an impediment into your to an opportunity or anything like that where someone said hey we'd love for you to take these pictures of these flowers and babies really oh you're a kinky never mind you know
0: no but I have had um There's when you when you're out like that and you're proud of your kinkiness or who you are. I've had a lot of people think that I'm slutty because of it, and there was about of time when I've had friends and my siblings call me like. Whenever they wanted to know, like, when they have they had STD questions or pregnancy questions,
1: (laughs) or become the expert on all things sexual. Exactly,
0: and (laughs) I don't know shit about that. For what I mean, aside from what I've experienced in my own life, like I've never read up on it, I've never studied it. So it it would upset me before. I was like, what? What do you? You know, just because I'm open about my sexuality and I'm not afraid to, to, to you know, to say I, I, you know, it's okay. But, you know, it doesn't it doesn't mean that I'm I'm like a connoisseur on any of this. Well, stuff. but
2: you probably and this is not. How do I phrase this? Because I've had the same situation where people have asked me questions. Vanilla friends who didn't know I was kinky, that didn't know I had a podcast or a blog and all that stuff. But because they knew, for a period of time, I was dating lots of different people. I was, you know, out there. I was, because they knew I was having a lot of experiences. They knew that they could come to me. I had a guy who was like. 15 years older than me, asking me the proper way to go down on a woman, right? Because he had never done it before, right? And I'm like, well, you know, ask, you know, or whatever. But I think it's not because you are, I don't think that makes you slutty. It's maybe because maybe you actually do have more experiences than some of your friends.
0: Right. Well, there's definitely the experience I should, maybe I shouldn't like be so vague about that. It's it's maybe men that I've dated, I've gone through a lot of situations where I'll go on a first date with a guy, and I think he'll he'll expect us to have some like crazy escapade where I'm gonna like call three of my friends, and we're gonna, you know, whatever. He's gonna end up like fucking me up the ass while he's getting fucked up the ass, and you know the the midgets are gonna be jumping up and down and trampling his chest, sort of thing. And well, it's just like I just want to go out for tea. That's not
2: too out of the realm of possibility. I and mean, some of the stuff you've written on your <laughs> blog, it's like sometimes. Like, Saad so will retweet something you've done.
0: Which and, is very cool. Thank you. Right.
2: And, well, we needed the extra income. Right. <laughs> you know? Uh, so she retweets something, and I'll go, oh, okay, wonder what's what's going on with Natasha. And I'll read the blog, and, the blog, and the, the blog header will be, what happens when you're alone in a hotel room with a rutabaga, the prime minister of Guam, and, which they don't have a prime minister, which is a stupid thing, but anyway, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm like holy shit, what's going on there? So it's not like... It's not like nothing crazy happens. It's not like it's not like you're having vanilla sex, you know? I don't think... Uh,
0: well, uh, I am having vanilla sex, but I'm also having these really wild, crazy experiences. Yes,
2: yes. But I'm just saying...
0: They're not happening every day, though. Right. Unless they do happen every day. That's happened, too, so I guess it just depends.
2: <laughs> the name of this podcast episode will be <laughs> Natasha Gornick. I don't fuck... I don't do crazy things every day unless I'm having them every day. She's a contradiction, an enigma. <laughs> um, That's funny. <laughs> but you're right, for guys to be uh, assuming something is not, you know, what when it happens, they, they're on a date with you and then they say, so where's the midgets? Or I mean, how does it come up?
0: Well, it'll usually happen within like an hour or so of the date. It hasn't happened for a while, but when it did, it was like, so you're kinky, huh? And they kind of like, you know, bend in, they lean in, and they're like, so... And they get this look in their eye, and I just know what's coming. And, you know, it depends on my mood. I'll either play with that and have fun with it and entertain this conversation, and maybe something will happen, but usually usually it doesn't.
2: But that's also sort of like, they're setting themselves up for some sort of failure as well, or else they're setting themselves up for some sort of expectation that... You know what I mean?
0: You know, maybe they just think they're going to have like this really wild experience, which they may, but they may not. This isn't working
1: out. <laughs> I'm not helping at
2: all. I'm not making a good argument. Listen, I'm not saying it's crazy wild times with me all the time, except sometimes it's all the time crazy wild experiences. Those are the times. But that's how I live my life. Right.
0: You know, I never... I don't... I, you know, it's all... I try to make it as spontaneous as possible, and... And it's just all about experience. It's like, however that flows.
2: So how did you, how did you, how did your life turn into this sort of experiential thing where, like, I know as a guy, when I was single, I was trying to, this is, that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to have like that, hey, you know, brown chicken, brown cow, wherever I go. But as a single guy, that's not really very possible, right? Unless you, you know, you're hanging around with a very specific crowd or maybe you've got a lot of money or who knows what. Yeah. Um. But you, I mean, how did how did this happen? Is it I mean, is just situations you just kind of stumble upon, or
0: no? I found it. Yeah, I found it. I think what happened was I was um, when I was like ten years old, we moved to Burbank, Illinois, and there goes the geography. Okay. <laughs> but that's okay. And Burbank, Illinois is really fucking boring. So I spent. I don't know, a good 10 years, no, wait, I was 10 years old. It's maybe a good seven years of my life just bored and stifled. And it's really close-minded there. And I had all these ideas and fun things in my head and I couldn't wait to do, but I couldn't do it with anybody there. Or or I was too much of a pussy to find out if I could do it with anybody there. I'm sure I could have. So, like, once I was, like, set free... It, and I wasn't actually, like, set free. You know, I, like, mentally set myself free. I just, like, went for it. And I was, like, it was almost, like, all of the days that I spent being stifled and bored and and not being able to do what I wanted to do. Now, granted, I was, like, 13. So, right. of course, you're not going to be able to. But I had a very advanced sexual mind. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just let loose. It just seemed like the right thing to do. I could, I, I. was, like, I couldn't get enough experience.
2: How did that manifest itself I mean at 13 when you were in high school were you just finally like were you going crazy then or kind of yeah
0: like in my head i remember laying in bed and just i would i was so excited for life like the future and and just life living life and having experience i didn't know what those experiences looked like but i just knew that they were going to happen i would shake i would literally shake like, it was almost like, internally, I needed to get the fuck out. No, no, I know. No. But I couldn't, and I would shake, and I, would, I was just so excited for it. Always excited for life in the future. Once upon
1: a time, they would have called that hysteria.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and how did you get out of Burbank?
0: I ended up going to school in the city, an art school in the city. And then, like, in turn, I just stayed on couches until I could afford to move out. In
2: Chicago? or In, in Chicago, yeah. yeah. And, um... What was what was that like when you finally got out? Did you start having the experiences you were...
0: Well, oh. I started before. It was like 17 when I first introduced myself to the BDSM scene. Really? Yeah. How does that happen? Well, I looked through the reader, which is the equivalent to the village voice here, and it there was a, an um, you know, like the wanted ads, or the adult services, and there was this one that I loved to read, and it started out, "'Worship our feet, period.'" And then it had like, I don't remember exactly what it said, but keywords were like goddesses and then like dirty feet, um, you know, smelly feet. There, it was just a, a really good, colorful description of like an ad for a dungeon right. and a foot fetish pretty much like is was the one, the interest that they talked about the most. And at the very end, it said now hiring. And then it had the number and I just called it. And I was like, I need to do this.
2: And you were, but how did you? How would you know when reading that ad what worship feet meant? I mean, how would you know what that meant?
0: I didn't, but I I liked. It was so different, yeah. And it sounded. I, I got turned on by it, and I'm not into feet at all, right? Nor am I really into men being into my feet, but I just liked. It was so different and so exotic for me at that time, and it was. It was just. It was hot. It was dark it was exactly the opposite of what my life was yeah
2: but you were still living at home
0: i was still living at home. and you called this number and i called the number and and uh the owner of the dungeon told me to come on in
2: didn't say how old are you no all right
0: did they ever ask they you know what they never asked but that was a long time ago so i don't really remember but i don't remember them asking it it wasn't an issue that's for certain yeah, so I went there and um, uh, I had to like. There were three of us. There were three girls and the other two girls. And I say girls because we're all about the same age. Really? We had like tryouts, and
2: <laughs> oh, nice. yeah,
0: cheerleading. It was like cheerleading, and I was naive, and I was gullible, and I was willing to do anything. And which also goes back to the whole experience thing too. And he had a video camera. And he was like, okay, so I'm going to video you guys. And what you're going to do is there are these G.I. Joe figurines. And everyone gets a pair of nylons. And what I want you to do is put the G.I. Joe figurines into the nylons, the foot of the nylons, and laugh maniacally. And then put the nylons on. And keep laughing maniacally as you do this. this is- and roll your feet around. <laughs> yeah, it was so oh bizarre. I know. <laughs> but And what was really bizarre about it was that the three of us were on this couch, like a four-seater couch, like next to one another, laughing maniacally, <laughs> looking at this camera. I 17 hear this years laugh. old. Can we hear the laugh? I want to hear the laugh. Wait, but, right, so it was like I mean, I was hor- I'm a horrible actress. I'm a horrible, horrible actress, but it was like oh. <laughs> and I just kept going because I was nervous and felt really stupid in front of the camera. But at that time I didn't, you know, I didn't I, w- I didn't know that I, I was able to say out loud, like, I feel stupid in front of the camera. I, I need to stop doing this now. So I just kept going with right. it. And, you know, the other girls, then he'd be like, look at each other. And we'd, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> And our faces were red because we were embarrassed. And, you know, it was just so dirty. He, he was just loving it. And it was, it was fun.
2: It was his kink. It was his kink. Clearly.
0: Well, now I know. Actually, I haven't thought about that story since it happened. So well, I'm like reliving is... it right now, yeah. You're
2: like, ha ha ha. That sounds like, I can't imagine, that just sounds so very specific. It
0: was so specific, it was so bizarre.
2: But you, at the same time you liked it because it was something new and different? Exactly. And so how did that, what What happened from there? Did you pass the audition?
0: I must have. <laughs> because the very next day I had my first session as a dominatrix. At 17? At 17. That's crazy. Yeah. And uh, it didn't go so well.
2: Really? <laughs> oh,
0: God. What, what? And I didn't know anything. Right. Once again, I just knew, you know, when I was a little girl, I liked the idea of Cinderella being tied up in my closet and Han Solo getting strangled. Like, that's as far as it went for me. <laughs> of like course. I'd seen some movies, maybe.
2: But this guy, rather than... he, So th- it was a guy who owned the dungeon? Right. And so he's thinking... Sure, she clearly knows enough about BDSM. She's put a G.I. Joe doll in a sock and laughed maniacally. What more could you possibly know? Or
0: she'll clearly put up with this shit. Right. And <laughs> I could throw her into a room with a, you know, 350-pound client. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah, it was So what was, was the was first crazy. session about? So the first session was uh, wrestling. It was a wrestling session. And the, the client wanted me to strangle him with my legs. And I'm 17, and I'm a slight 17-year-old, and this man is about 350 pounds. So I'd say 15 minutes into the session, he was doming me. Like, he was telling me what to do. And here I am, I'm just like this naive girl, like, okay, that sounds good. Yeah, let's try, how is this? Is this good? Is this scissoring? Is this working? Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, it was really uncomfortable and awkward.
2: So how did that, I mean, how did that first session end?
0: Oh, well, he probably got his kicks off by, you know, kind of taking advantage of a younger girl.
2: Did you have sex with him?
0: No, 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 no. no. But, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing, and it was clear that I was uncomfortable, and I'm asking him these questions, and, you know, knowing what I know now, I mean, if a dominatrix walked into the room, and the, you know, the client sees that this girl doesn't know what she's doing she doesn't even know what this is about yeah but he goes for it anyway you know I think he probably had me down on the ground too and he was probably like looking up my skirt and you know just just enjoying himself it wasn't enjoyable right it was an experience and I do appreciate the experience but it wasn't an enjoyable one do you wrestle anymore no you <laughs> kind of ruined it for you <laughs> you know it's funny I haven't wrestled since <laughs> right
2: <laughs> Gee, I wonder what turned you off by the experience. Right. Uh, hmm. But So what happened... Um, how, how many times did you have... I mean, do you remember sessions after that? Or I do. Yeah.
0: After that, it was a lot of foot fetish sessions. Um, and well, pretty much what happened is I would work the late shift.
1: When did you start photographing? Because I, when I met you, you were photographing the doms that I guess you had worked with, or maybe not. Maybe that was from a different dungeon. But when I met you, you were... Just starting out doing videography, but you had kind of had a portfolio of pro doms that you were just photographing.
0: Right, I had worked for the Chicago Mistresses in Chicago,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I yeah I had a pretty. big, I actually um, the dungeon is it was a live workspace, so I was really dear friends with the 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 head dom the head mistress, and um, I was their staff photographer and staff videographer. So And before then, I started actually photographing at that very first dungeon that I, I dommed at. Because I soon, very quickly learned that I was a horrible dom. And that I was not cut out for it. And it just was not going to work out. But I loved being in the room with... Um, the slave or the submissive and I loved the power of the dom and I loved the dynamic and I found it fascinating and the psychology behind it and I loved the fetish I mean just the raw fetish of it turned me on whatever that fetish was so it's like I wanted to be there but I had to figure out how because I couldn't actually do the job of a dominatrix
2: you had no real positive experiences exactly yeah
0: yeah I mean I, I you know like naturally I had an inclination naturally to be dominant with some people or submissive but again at that time I I didn't even know what that meant sure. I didn't I didn't have any proper training nobody taught me how to throw a flogger it wasn't like that it was like they threw me in and maybe that's what the problem was to begin with so I was like oh my god I don't know what I'm doing and I have to act so this sucks but how can I stay in the room
2: yeah <laughs> so
0: at the time I was um I was a film major at school and then I switched to photography I think uh Probably a year into this whole experience and that's when I took my first picture of a dominatrix.
2: And it's clearly something must have spoken to you at that point because it
0: It did. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. I mean they're horrible photographs. Technically they were bad. I didn't I didn't know what I was doing. But I loved it it was like the outfit she was wearing and the the saint andrew's cross behind her and just the look on her face and i didn't know how to tell her like hold the cane in such and such way and and she was oh she was actually a wonderful person and pretty experienced at that point but you know there wasn't that that dynamic or that that, that um there wasn't comfortable enough in the room for us to have this really positive experience with the with the photographs sure but it was still like, I really just loved it. And it was like this strong, powerful woman in my presence and I'm photographing her, making her look beautiful or trying to make her look beautiful. And it was just really cool.
2: But you knew some things, you know, you knew to say, no, you're putting the G.I. Joe wrong with the <laughs> sucking. You need to put it in. You're not laughing the right way. I need to laugh to speak through the photo. Right, right,
0: maniacally, <laughs> louder. <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: that is so... That is so awesome.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that was actually one of my first times, too. This particular Dom, um, who I since am now, you know, acquaintances with, I really looked up to her. But I was I was scared of her because she was this person that I couldn't be at that time or I didn't know that I could be. So it was like it was my first entryway into like the camera being the vehicle into like a conversation with someone I find interesting. Right. You know, and I actually felt a little powerful myself having that camera. And I didn't know what that was, but I remember like it was still uncomfortable. But it was like I have a purpose. There's a reason why I'm here, and I feel more comfortable now. It was, it was my first time as a voyeur as well.
2: It, it also allows you to experience things and have people do things that you might want them to do mm-hmm. without, because the camera is there. That's the excuse, and that's right. the reason for it, right? right? Whereas. Well, the same thing is like with the microphone. Uh, like I, I'll ask you questions with the microphone here that I wouldn't normally ask you because it's not, it's not going to come up that, wh- the, the fact that this mic—it took us, it took this microphone for us to find out about the GI Joe story. <laughs> I need to have the microphone with me every time you come over.
0: It took this microphone for me to find out about R- the R- GI R- R- Joe story. <laughs> right.
2: So, but but I imagine the same thing is similar for a camera that you you. We'll have people in situations that they wouldn't either normally be in, or...
1: Like it becomes a tool for confession.
0: Yeah. And it becomes a way for me to make friends, too. You know, like, how do we become friends?
1: Yeah, exactly. It was through collaborating and coming up with bizarre ideas to photograph and film.
0: Exactly. And then there was a time when we didn't talk at all. And how did we become friends again? I got a. The email came through. I was like, "Hey, would you pose for me?" Blah blah blah. So it's 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 yeah. That's kind of my way in. So
2: you were taking photographs of doms in Chicago. Mm -hmm. What was going on in your personal life? Were you still exploring and doing crazy stuff there, or Mm,
0: not as much? Yeah. I mean, I was really living vicariously through my camera at that point in the game. It's an interesting like. It's interesting for me to look back now and, and see how this is all like unfolded. But yeah, I was definitely living through my camera. So it, it 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 started out with me photographing doms. And then I got to know the subs. And then I would start photographing doms and subs in the same room together. And then I got comfortable enough to just talk to the subs. And then I would just ask if I could photograph them. And then from there, I was like, wait a second, why don't I try this out where there's no dom and it's just me and the sub and I can do things to him and then I can photograph like his reaction or try to like Photograph that emotion Mm -hmm. So then it turned into me being a little more In The experience, not just outside of the experience Sure. And then it just went from there
2: Like what type of things would you If you had a sub, what type of things was that just like I don't even know how I imagine it's very similar to what your blog is now
0: Yeah, I mean I would stay with things that I Liked, interests that I liked And that they liked So it was pretty much like a session I like corporal a lot, so I usually stick with corporal.
2: Is it do you find it hard to at that point, is does the camera become almost a distraction from it? Or are you like, mm. okay, I want this to happen and so I'm gonna go whack. Okay,
0: click. click you or? know, it was a challenge.
2: Yeah.
0: Trying to figure that out. And it turned out I don't think it worked out as well as I well, I didn't I didn't expect it to, to work out well, but it it didn't it wasn't um I found out that I definitely needed to put the camera on a tripod, (laughs) or I just went back to like, okay, let me just get behind the camera, Mm -hmm. sort of situation, or let me start using a point and shoot. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I I love to challenge myself, so I would like set up studio lights in a hotel room, and you know, the the guy would be there, and I'd be there with my big bulky medium format camera, and I'd be looking down, I'd be focusing, and I didn't, couldn't afford like a camera with autofocus and. You know, we, so right, it was like, it was really trying to try to like smack a guy in his balls and then try to capture that and focus it at the same time. It was like close to (laughs) impossible,
1: (laughs) but it was really, really fun. So we were talking about how you're so attracted to dominant women, Mm -hmm. but I also know from your dating record, just from when I've known you, you're also attracted to dominant men and And people who put themselves in that situation. Mm -hmm. Whether or not they're kinky, but just men who portray strong personalities.
0: I do, yeah.
1: I'm into it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So you consider yourself mostly a sub or switch? You switchy-spot sub-asodes?
0: I think I'm a switch as they come. Yeah? Yeah.
2: But you mentioned you date more dominant guys. Does that mean you like to play with submissive people, but you prefer to date dominant guys?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like the way she turns dominant guys into her bitch. That's pretty much how that goes.
2: <laughs> Is it a respect thing? There's some people who, who believe or who feel they can't date someone they don't respect and they can't respect them if they are dominant to them.
0: I mean, it's just something I've always been attracted to. It's what turns me on. So I always go with that. I, I'm not much of an overthinker. So, you know, and I think I, I've been turned off by submissive men before. And I don't know if that's because I've been in the room with so many of them or what that's about, but I think sexually I prefer a dominant man because it makes me feel more like a girl. And I think in a lot of respects I am pretty dominant and I have masculine qualities, especially the way that I photograph. So it's really cool when I'm dating or having sex with a man who's kind of taking control of things. Well, I right, so I I think that I'm exclusively dating... Sub, or excuse me, dominant men But then I come to Once they find out like what my personality is And like who I am And then I find out more about them It turns out to be a pretty switch relationship Really? Yeah
2: Like like what's, give me an example
0: Sure, I mean there i you know, I've dated a man Where it started out as a very like He was the dom We did the things in the bedroom Where he was the dom And I was submissive and as the relationship progressed, and as like love became involved in the situation, it was it was uh, me being Natasha Gornick again, and mm-hmm. I'm not always submissive in the bedroom, or I'm not submissive. Really, like my personality isn't very submissive. So, you know, there there's that that um. Y- it's just you have to figure out whether it's going to work or not. And usually, a lot of the times, I don't want to say they like they <laughs> they like bow down to it, but you know, they're kind of into being submissive in certain regards.
2: It also could be that they're only willing to let that part of them out when they're more comfortable with you or something like that. Yeah,
0: yeah, it could be that too. You know, I'm very respectful of that. Well, I haven't been with that many kinky men either. I mean, I was with... I haven't been... I've been with a handful of kinky men. And when... And, and you know, it's funny that we're talking about this because when they have shown that they are just going to be totally dominant, it turns me off. Really? Yeah, like, if they can't handle my personality, if it's not just, like, a play partner thing, which I never really end up having. Like, a long-term play partner, it always turns into something else. Like, the relationship evolves into something else. And then it usually turns into more of, like, an equal relationship. You know what it really comes down to is, uh, I, I don't know if everybody's as selfish as I am, but if I'm feeling sexy... So if, if if I'm in a situation where I'm sub- being submissive and it feels sexy, like that feels right, then I go with that. And if I'm feeling in a situation where I'm feeling dominant and that's what's making me feel sexy, then I go with that. And usually my partner goes with it. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, but you you but you mentioned you only da- you've only dated a handful of kinky guys. I have. Only Does that dated mean you've only dated a handful of guys? Or Most of the guys have been more vanilla that you've dated.
0: More, most of the guys have been more vanilla that I've dated.
2: Because I imagined you just being, you know, not having any interest in vanilla dudes. I don't know why I thought that.
0: Yeah, not that... No. No, I I have interest in vanilla dudes.
2: So, when you... What what is the difference between kinky and vanilla?
0: Hmm. Well, the two... I've had, like, three very serious relationships in my life with lots of men in between. And women. And the two previous ones... um, were vanilla in the sense that they were pretty closed off. They were almost kind of prudish. This is really shitty for me to say. <laughs> but it's true. They were. They were They were kind of prudish. Like, we had fun in bed, but God forbid I bring up a strap-on. God forbid I bring up any sort of anal, anal play. You know, like, God forbid there's the thought of, like, another woman coming in bed with us. So that's pretty vanilla to me. If you're not open to the idea of experimenting, then that's what I qualify as vanilla.
2: Do you think it's because they just hadn't experienced something yet, or they were actually... Because I, I, I actually believe that everyone everyone's kinky, right? Everyone's kinky, it's just maybe they're not comfortable revealing their kink, or maybe their kink is really bad, like, for the universe.
0: Well, maybe or... it was me, too. Maybe I wasn't comfortable enough or not secure enough within my own kink and my own sexuality to say to them, like, hey, let's try this. You know, maybe I brought it up once drunkenly some random night, and they're like, "No," and I was like, "Okay, he said no, never mind," which is very submissive of me. So maybe it was a kinky relationship.
2: <laughs> but uh, you also mentioned like there's been guys in between. Do you don't consider those guys in between as dating?
0: No, I do. I'm talking about like the love lo- of my love, life. Okay, sure. Right.
2: And and those guys in between, you'd consider those guys mostly vanilla too.
0: Honestly, I was really drunk for a lot of my 20s. So I don't even know if we were being kinky or vanilla. I mean, I guess being wasted and fucking is pretty kinky, isn't it? That's gotta be some sort of a fetish. I'm sure, I'm sure it's something. Yeah, so uh, if we're going with that definition, then most of them were kinky.
2: Did you ever try to get someone drunk so you could experience something that they wouldn't normally do?
0: No, but you know what I used to do? was no i i just wanted to be drunk right so there was that oh, okay but um i used to in the beginning of my photo like the beginning of my photo um taking i would always bring a bottle of alcohol for the woman because i started photographing women you know there's only so many people that are in the king scene or so many people that i knew in the kink scene in chicago and I was still pretty closeted with my own thing, so I wasn't out there, like, I wasn't confident enough to ask all these women who I now would, and, um, so I would photograph friends, or once again, I had the camera, and that would, that's how I was, like, forming a friendship, so I would always bring booze, because I'd want them to get naked in front
2: of my camera. So you're like a dude, you're like a sleazy...
0: That's what I mean by masculine. Right. Masculine pictures like that, right? And it was consensual, of course. I mean, they wanted to do. It. It's not like Your Honor. Ha- have this glass of water. It's just water. Right. It's right. not vodka. Right. Now drink it all. Right. And then they'd be passed out, and I'd right. be like taking off their clothes, you right. know, i mean in but the you're background still getting bunny ears.
2: Slightly sleazy. A little oh, sleazy. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sleazy. Right.
0: I'm less sleazy now, but because yeah, I know more people who are sleazy. <laughs> So now I just, like, yeah. live in a world and, you know, I have, you know, whatever. So so there's, yeah, I, I would say that I was pretty sleazy. It was my way to get women naked.
2: How do, so for those people, for those other women who want to get people naked, and you're bringing a bottle of alcohol, and they were just friends, and if they're not people who you would normally think would get naked for a camera, how does that come up in a conversation? Even if they're drunk. Because in my well, 20s, we, I, my whole thing was I, was, I was drunk a lot in my 20s as well, But I also had a lot of experiences with drunk women not taking their clothes off when there was no (laughs) camera around, right? Well,
0: that's when I found out that um, it's really cool to be a female photographer. And that there's a lot more trust. This sounds horrible because I'm like, I was trying to get them drunk and naked. I mean, everybody knew what they were going into. It was like, I'd like to take some photographs of you. And I wouldn't say straight out, like, I want to photograph you nude. I'd be like, here's a picture that I took. And, you know, back then there were... Back then, back in the day, there were no JPEGs. Right. So I would, like, have a print with me, and it'd be a a pretty erotic photograph of a a woman I take, a a woman that I photographed. And um, they'd be like, hmm, that looks like fun. And it would almost be like the pseudo-lesbian experience, although we'd never actually have sex, although that was on my mind and what I would think about before the photo shoot. And I would bring the booze. And it would be like, come on, you loosen up, baby. It's the liquid courage. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You'd actually you say, do. come
2: on, loosen up, baby. You'd say <laughs> no,
0: that? but I should have, and I really, I hope
1: <laughs> I should have. So,
2: so that is so interesting. So, did it, did it ever cross the line? Did, did you ever go like? Hey, you know, well, I've got the camera here, sort of like the the casting couch type of thing. Did it ever turn into one? Of
0: no, 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 no. It was it was all like really, it was very planned, and it was something that we looked forward to. It Was again one of those experiences. This was these were not spontaneous experiences. These were like totally planned. Like, okay, we're gonna do this thing, this thing that you've never done before, and I've not done that often, or we haven't done together. And we're gonna have alcohol, and we're gonna make it a party, and let loose, and like have this experience. And that's pretty much how it would go.
2: No, you you identify as bisexual then? Yes. And so, did they know you were bisexual?
0: Mm, probably.
2: So you were you were. I'm surprised nothing ever happened then.
0: Oh, something sometimes it happened. No, not with the women that I'm thinking about in Chicago. Okay. No.
2: Oh, but you made it sound like this would happen all the time. That you'd be bringing you'd have. I imagine you had like a case <laughs> of of alcohol that you had to go to Costco. Because you were buying so many bottles for these photo shoots that no, it was no, just no, cheaper no. for you to buy in bulk. <laughs> and so you're like, oh yeah, I've never done this before. Here. No, <laughs> right. but this is like a one or two time thing?
0: No, this happened like five or six or seven times. Okay. Yeah. Per month? Per per semester. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I mean, I'm making it sound like I just want to see a lady's naked and fuck them, uh, waka waka. It, wasn't, it was more like, let's get naked and... You know, be drunk, and I want to see you naked and powerful. And it was a very like empowering situation. Everybody felt great and sexy. Sure. Sexy experience. Name of the game.
2: Again, <laughs> again. I think these are things that you, as a female, can can do. Whereas, it, I tried that too. No, seriously. Just put the strap on on. You'll be powerful. It'll be women's right, power. Right, right. Yeah, no, let me go down on you. It'll be women's power. You know, power. That, I think that doesn't work with with guys. I think it's very it's very unique,
1: yeah,
0: and I'd like to think I was giving them a gift as well.
2: Oh, you' yeah, not totally yeah, oh obviously.
0: And I would literally physically give them gifts. I would give them prints, and I was very good about sure. you know, give you know being the, it wasn't for money and it wasn't for anything but the experience right. I, wanted, I mean, I have yeah. oodles and oodles of photographs of women, and there wasn't always alcohol involved. it right. was <laughs> okay. just you know. But um, just, I have many prints of women that I photographed over the years where it's not going anywhere. It was just for the experience. Yeah. It was for them to have and for me to have. And, and we feel good and we're high-fiving. And I made a friend, too. Because that's a crazy bonding experience.
2: So what percentage of... of when, you, when you look at those photos now, how much of that is art? How much of that is just a crazy sexual experience? Or is there no distinction between the two, really? Hmm... I really sound really smart in that question. I I? know. You sounded so
1: smart that you've like stumped me. I've had this (laughs) conversation recently, the whole art versus porn, Mm -hmm. and there is one uh, male photographer who I believe was shooting mostly gay men, and that was a big question, is this art or is this porn? Because he was being shown in galleries and it was being treated as art, but the material was so highly sexual that many people are interpreting it as porn, and he distinguished it himself as, my art is not porn because people look at it for a long time and they look at it over and over again. So I'm paraphrasing here, of course, but the main idea was that no matter how sexual something is, it's art. If you want to look at it a long time and come back to looking at it and you see and you read more into it than just this brief sexual interest which wanes. Sure.
0: Yeah, I th- I think I once read somewhere that like it's considered porn if it's titillating. And that's just ridiculous.
1: Because uh, art I mean, is supposed to be emotionally evocative.
0: Yeah. And but I I don't I don't I also don't like to label shit, you know, like porn could be art, art can be porn. What's the difference? Sure.
2: Plus, we know enough kinky people. We know that People can get turned on and jerk off while looking at a balloon, right. while looking at a bucket of cheese, while looking at a G.I. Joe.
0: Right. While yeah. you're inside a balloon, right? playing with the G.I. Joe, right. eating
2: cheese. So you can take a picture of anything and someone's going to go, oh my god, the Himalayas! You right.
1: Know. Did you consume a lot of porn when you were young? Oh god, yeah. So do you think that consuming that porn, which is most likely taken by a man for men, Influenced the way you visualize sexualizing women. That's
0: really interesting.
1: I bet it I bet it did
0: because I had a lot of porn in my life. How I would you, find it. How did you find porn? Under my parents' mattress, and <laughs> there was I hope my parents never listened to this, but there next door, When I was in seventh grade, I babysat a little three-year-old who lived next door, and his parents would go out, but they went out to like three in the morning, and they were total perverts. And I was so excited because it was actually every other Saturday I would go over there. The little kid would go to bed by like 9 p.m. You know, he's like three. By 9 p.m., well, Playboy started up at like 9.30 or 10, the Playboy channel. They had a vibrating pillow, Playboy, and lots and lots of Victoria's Secret catalogs. And I would masturbate from 9.30 until I'd say one in the morning. I would just come over and over and over again. And I could actually look over and see through the dining room window my family. In like you know they were right next door. Right. And I'd see them like, doing whatever they were doing, cooking or playing or whatever they mm-hmm. you know, they happen to be doing at that moment. And uh, I just thought it was awesome. I was like, this is so great. I get paid to sit here and watch porn and have orgasm after orgasm. And I yeah, and of course it was all, like, male run at that point in the game. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, to my knowledge. Oh boy, I watched a lot of porn back then. So that makes sense. So yeah, I probably did come at it like that, because that's what I knew.
2: But you are yeah. watching Playboy channel porn? I
0: was watching Playboy channel porn, and then it would turn into Electric Blue at, like, 11 p.m., and that was really hardcore. And then there was Skinamax. You get you got your porn. I don't know. You remember in the like the, the late '80s and the '90s, they would have the the porn would come on on Saturday nights.
2: No, I I grew up. We had three channels: PBS, NBC, and CBS.
0: Well, I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> because that was a big part of my childhood, a lovely part. So I was a, just a total perv. You know, I was always perving
2: out. They never suspected. They wouldn't come in and like your paints are all wet. Why would your?
0: I don't even know how they. Couldn't have known, although I was good about covering my tracks. But like that vibrating pill, that 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 battery must have run low at some point in the game. I'm sure they're like, "What is <laughs> this?
2: So, like, what the so hell's warm!" Wrong and <laughs> with thing? the fourth, we're gonna buy stock in Duracell here. Right. I don't know what.
0: And then later in life, I was. Uh, my mind goes to like, oh, maybe they knew. Maybe they were videotaping me. How did you get And they the were reserves? like. How did I know there were pervs.
2: You said there were total pervs.
0: Well, I took them as total pervs when I'm, you know, in seventh grade and they have the Playboy channel and Victoria's Secret everywhere and the vibrating pillow. To me, that's perverse but at that point in the game. The
2: vibrating pillow does not mean... Because you can have a vibrating pillow that just... They sell them like in old folks' homes for you to put on underneath your... your
0: not in my mind. No, not in my. <laughs> mind. I mean, i created this like perfect scenario where it was all set up for me and they were perverts.
2: They were like, Oh we got oh, wait, we gotta go put the batteries in because she's gonna talk totally Right, right. And, and they open hours. the
0: door to the to the little girl pervert and they like, Welcome to our world. We're gonna go bowling and drink, you know, PBR until three in the morning. Enjoy <laughs> And it must have been that way because they always asked me back.
2: I was the babysitter. Well, no, but you live next door. That's maybe Okay, no, you're right. I'm no, sorry. I don't, crush, I don't
0: want to me go with my fantasy here. It was hot and I would masturbate to that too. Just like the idea of them you know that like they knew that they knew I loved it and that my you know my family was over there and you know that I don't mean for that to sound sestual, but there was something very exciting about that. It was forbidden.
2: There you have it. Part one of our conversation with Natasha. Again, uh, all of her contact info is on the website. If you have uh, a need for a photographer, highly recommend her. You can see some of her awesome work at nastybydesign.com. And, yeah, wait do you hear number two. Why wait do you hear episode two? If your socks are still on, they will be blown off when you hear part two. But uh, we will uh, play that in another month or two. Another Dear Mistress episode next week. And uh, thank you for your donations. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.